note is a note that's played, but goes unnoticed, like so much of the work behind the music before it hits our eardrums. I'm Hannah Copeland. Join me for in-depth, honest, and unpredictable interviews of Kansas City's music makers, plus new music happenings to put on your radar. It's all on Ghost Notes via the Fountain City Frequency Network. This way to heaven, this way to heaven, way down through the Sycamore Valley. Free all your lovers, love all your brethren, tell them you love them forever. Shapiro is a Kansas City singer, songwriter, musician who grew up in suburban Johnson County and remembers never quite fitting in. Her mom studied occult science by mail and her dad was known for telling extravagant tales. She released her fourth full-length album, The Musical, in April 2015. We'll dive into her past and how it shaped her 20-year musical career. Welcome, this is Ghost Notes. touring for nearly the last six months and you're about to start booking another tour in the fall through the northeast uh how are audiences receiving your work surprisingly well (laughs) i mean you uh i've been playing around town for about 20 years in kansas city and you develop you know a lot of friends and supporters but at a certain point you start to wonder if they're just biased because they're your friends and uh, so taking it on the road has tested these songs and and we've i've got, i've received a lot of really great um feedback it's been encouraging your album is receiving rave reviews locally but you told the star that you think it's the best thing that you've ever made and how do you know personally when something is your best work because you have a lot of a long artistic career how do you know that something's your best well, notwithstanding the really good feedback I've gotten for it, yeah, I, I'm my own strongest critic, for sure. And to be able to... I, this is my third solo album, my fifth album uh, overall, and I have a hard time listening to those old, old albums without the cri- the critical analysis going on in my head constantly. And I think this is like the first album where I can enjoy it. (laughs) I think that's probably a good litmus test. I actually enjoy my own album. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you also told the pitch that you've always been in love with musicals, even from when you were a kid, but it was uncool in middle school to be in love with musicals. I just want you to talk to me about why you think that is because I've been that kid too that loves uncool things and why why do you think that comes from um well when I was younger my parents would take me to musicals so it was definitely a part of um our family life and when I was like preteen, I'd listen to Les Miserables probably a thousand times in my headphones 
during that preteen angsty time. And, you know, fifth grade, I was performing Macavity from the musical Cats for a talent show. I, the, I loved drama and I loved singing and it's just the perfect marriage there. And also, but just back to like liking uncool things. When I started calling myself a folk musician, like at the time, that was super uncool. <laughs> and even I knew that. And I, I could, it, I was talking with Tim Finn of the Kansas City Star once, and he was like, "How would you classify your music?" And I said, "Well, I, I, I would say folk." And he looked so disapproving. He was like, are you sure you want me to put that in the paper? <laughs> you know? <laughs> now it's now it's in. Now it's a fad. But I guess I used to care way more when I was in my 20s. But now that I'm 40, I could give a lesser crap. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about how you grew up, and you are a third-generation storyteller, but who were the storytellers that came before you? Sure, well, my father's father, um, who passed before I was born, so I never heard his stories firsthand. I heard them through my father. Uh, my grandfather, his his name alone, he went by Julius Caesar, Shapiro, and uh, he worked as a lawyer. These are the stories, okay? So he worked as a lawyer for Bob Pendergast, who was the mob boss in in the 20s, 30s, um, practicing as a lawyer and practicing in quotes because he was probably, I mean, from all of that, I've gathered a, a Jewish mobster. You know, he was tied into the mob, um, and I would hear stories from my father about uh, him and some of his practices. And then my father would have his own stories as well about growing up in Kansas City. These are both Kansas Cityans, uh, you know, several generations of Kansas Cityans. And uh, at some point, I learned that my grandmother's side were the Katz, uh, like Katz Drugstore family. I didn't know that. Um, and so I was like, oh, that's great. You know, here's this like landmark on the corner of Maine and Westport Road. This is you know, stories from my father. <laughs> and in my head, I had that for so long. And then I asked my mom about it. And she was like, oh, no, it was a different cat. No, they sold shoes. And I'm like, what? Who are these people? Who, you know, who was my dad? Who was my grandfather? Uh, there was one point just trying to find out. Those answers, I was I was a photo assistant for this judge's commemoration at UMKC. They were building this um, mock courtroom for their law department, and the judge who was being commemorated, he was a, he was of the generation that would know my grandfather. And so I asked him, Do, "Did you know Julius Caesar Shapiro?" And the man's face just grew so dark. There's just this stormy cloud over, and and just with the thinnest veneer of civility, he said, "Yes, I knew him." 
And it just gave me chills. I was like, what did you, you know, I wanted to ask, like, what did you know about him? But obviously I had pressed some deep button uh, about my grandfather. So I, you know, I don't think he was a very nice man. And I, and my father's stories about him turn him into a hero a lot of, a lot of times, uh, like in a lot of these stories, he was like saving his defendant in the courtroom, some like Hardy Boys type detective work and, you know, was this hero for, um, in my eyes for a long time. And then, you know, like asking around, also seeing some, uh, some histories online, some oral histories from that time. Uh, I know that my grandfather was involved in politics quite a bit. And during Harry S. Truman's um, candidacy, that there was a lot of money raised through my my grandfather and his brothers to help Truman become one of the candidates for presidency. And and as the story goes, Truman didn't want anything to do with their money because he thought he would. It was tied to the mob, obviously. And uh, but he ended up taking the money, and when he became president, he ended up giving it back to one of my grandfather's brothers who had collected it from a number of different sources but was perfectly happy taking it all back <laughs> into his own bank account. So just like some, sh- there's a lot of shady business and, I'm s- and to unravel the stories from the truth has is, is been kind of a part of my life since my dad passed, which has been about a decade, a little more than a decade. She's gotta take it slow She can't get too far Without a place to go The fates are singing all by. Do you have a favorite story that you're still trying to figure out? Well, I think because it has to do with music, I, I really, uh, my mind goes back to when my father would tell me how he would play with Jay McShann you know, one of the jazz greats here in Kansas City that started bebop and, you know, like all the Kansas City jazz sound, like this, the grandfather of Kansas City jazz. Like my dad would say that he would play with, with Jay McShann, that he recorded with him out in California. And uh, I've yet to find that recording <laughs> or any talk about that recording and like looking at photos of Jay McShann and his bands, like there's no little white mustached Jewish man in any of those photos. So, you know, I have to question the verity of that tale for sure. Do you ever find yourself making up stories and telling your family or your partner tall tales like your your father did? I definitely have that proclivity, but I stop myself short. I, I feel like I have to fact check myself one because I think reality is way more interesting. Like that, I if I just like there are nuggets of gold in in all our experiences if we look there. And so, it, I I think there's a bit of laziness that comes from telling stories like tall tales when you could tell just incredible stories just based off the truth. Um, and perhaps it's you know in rebellion <laughs> against. The storytellers in in the earlier generations of my family, um, 
I my father told this story once where he was in the Air Force and he was partnered with this. Uh, he, he was getting paired up with his crew, uh, his flight crew, and his co-pilot turned it turned out his name was Johnny Pelham. I remember the name Johnny Pelham, and I and I've yet to I need to look further into this, but uh, I guess Johnny Pelham showed up as his co-pilot, and my dad couldn't have been further disgusted. It was like this pockmarked, like acne-ridden 18-year-old. You know, he just thought they were doomed. Um, according to my dad, and and then it turns out that Johnny Pelham, during a flight, they were coming in, there was a lot of fog and clouds, and my father was at, at the controls, and the clouds parted, and there was this church steeple that they were headed straight for, and Johnny Pelham jumps over and grabs the controls. My dad had frozen up, and he pulls him out of this nosedive and saves his life. Johnny Pelham, this great hero in my dad's uh, lineage and and somewhere after my dad passed, I came across a story in a book somewhere that was that exact that exact scenario, and I was like, well, maybe he lifted this story from this book, um, and then of course began to question a lot of other things my father told me, but uh, there were, you know, and and I. I know there's a tendency to like you read a great story and you want to tell a great story and you know here's this one in your mind and y you want to make it personal to your audience but like I I, I guess I've never fallen into that. Yeah. I've, I feel like I have enough to mine from in my own experience that I don't need to tell other people's stories. that you the song on the album the musical called the reincarnation of helena bav helena blavatsky tell me um about tell me about that song so that song is inspired by my mother she is by her own admission a an occult scientist she studied through correspondence school which is before there was the internet there was like male correspondence schools and she studied for many years with the arcane school in new york which is this uh school of ancient wisdom and i sometimes kid and say i was raised in a fundamentalist new age family because she would lecture me about how rock and roll was destroying my aura or you know like it was still kind of like a preachy uh, fundamentalist bent, but it was based out of a lot of New Age philosophy. And so one of the her beliefs is that she believes in reincarnation. She believes she is the reincarnation of this woman named Helena Blavatsky. She was an occultist. And she uh, channeled this mantra called the Great Invocation. And so my mom has used the great invocation as some people would use the Lord's Prayer or it's it's a you recite it daily. It's your connection to the Godhead. And uh, uh, so when writing the song, The Reincarnation of Helena Blavatsky, the original title of it was The Great Invocation. And it uses some of the phrasing from that 
uh, that prayer in the song, uh, but it's coming from how it, it was an attempt on my part to empathize with my mother and to uh, invoke her spirit, her living spirit, uh, as she would wake and incite this invocation and some of the thoughts that may go through her head. You know, I woke this morning to a simple way, no more wasted time on complicated, you know, uh, and then some of the words from the great invocation. Is there any moment when you're a kid when you realized that I'm in school and the other kids around me, their moms don't believe in reincarnation? Um, and my mom asked me to recite this prayer, and I, I'm growing up in a way that's very different. And what was it very different? And did that did that come to come to mind at any point? Yes, my mother didn't uh, externalize or express. She, she actually didn't even get into these philosophies until I was about 10 or 11. But even beyond that, my dad being 20 years older than my mother, there was always this, I always felt like an outsider. I didn't have a normal family. People thought he was my grandfather. Um, also the fact that he was Jewish. Like there's, we were kind of outsiders in like suburban, white, Johnson County for sure, from the get-go. And then when my mom got more involved in the arcane school <laughs> of a cult, you know, like, okay, definitely not uh, one of one of the, you know, which one is <laughs> just, uh, yeah, I guess I didn't fit in. We can just, my family didn't fit in, and I never felt like I fit in to uh, that culture Johnson County suburban culture and I think in part that's why I es chose to escape by by dating an older man who didn't he lived in Gladstone I met him through the pre-internet on like the modem as because uh, I was a uh, kind of a little techie nerd as a kid and um you know so I I always but in the same regard looking back like every teenager is embarrassed of their parents, you know, like that's no different. I just, it was just a different slant on the same old story that, oh, mom, please stop talking about auras and masturbation. Like I, you know, like I don't need you to share this with me and my, my friends. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to learn about like safe sex and the chakra system. Okay. Like, you know, it's always embarrassing no matter what slant. Yeah. Um, going going back to your album, The Musical, one of my favorite tracks is Daniel. Who is Daniel? Daniel is based off of a, a, a classmate that I had in high school. He was an artist and a musician, very talented. Uh, and we were... Friends, we'd hang out after school. He was a great pool player. I mean, for as young as he was, he was like a pool shark. Um, and lost touch with him after high school. And he showed back up at one of 
these art and curiosity shows that I held uh, later on in my 20s. And it was obvious that he had gone through a lot of mental illness challenges. Uh, he had burns and cuts on his arm. He was talking about, uh, he was talking crazy, you know. He had, he had some mental illness. And, um, but he wanted to be a part of this thing that I was building he did martial arts. He wanted to demonstrate some of it, and I, um, I really believed in inclusivity in my shows. And I, we exchanged numbers, and we reconnected for a time. But it became evident and uh, that I couldn't sustain a relationship with him, even a friendship with him. Taking his calls became more and more difficult. They were coming at all hours of the night, and uh, I and, and I sort of put up a wall and Daniel floated away from my bubble and it was many years later that I I read that he had gone missing and um and I've, you know part of my brain was like of course he did you know and there was a lot of sadness around that and then and then a month later it turned up that he had passed away they found him in the middle of a forest, he had left his keys and his phone and his wallet on his bedside table and walked out his apartment door. He hadn't been taking his medications, and then a month later they found him. And so the story was, um, the story in that song was kind of wondering what kind of person Daniel was and the good and the bad. And, and contemplating what happened on that day. But on that Saturday, Daniel was down. Who they couldn't say where he was found. Oh, how he was found. Towards the end of the album and on the end of the song out of town the lyrics go i know i said i'm not the settled kind but on days like these i can see forever and maybe i just want to change my mind maybe it all depends on the weather oh no you can settle too i've seen the gypsy in your eyes what's where were you mentally when you're writing when you wrote that song that's a song that i've been tinkering with for a while and uh at I think at the time that I wrote those lines, I was in a relationship that was very come and go. And uh, and I couldn't tease apart whether it was them or me. Who was it that couldn't settle? Um, and so that was, you know, I think those lines came from, from am I projecting? Is it? Or are, is this real? Are you, are you the one that can't settle? Am I the one that can't settle? And then maybe, maybe it doesn't matter, you know? Maybe it's just a circumstance. Or maybe, it's based, maybe it's the weather. Are you settled now? Yes. Settled in the sense that uh, I have a partner that I, you know, I can see forever with. And um, 
And I think that's, you know, I think for musicians especially, it's difficult to have a relationship with someone who's not a musician, especially if you're touring. You know, there are a lot of challenges with that, and I feel really blessed to be with someone that is a musician. We play together. It's a duo. We can take it on the road. Um, we have each other's backs. We're romantic partners. Like, it's it's like a great bundle. <laughs> Um, and it, and it feels like, oh yeah, I can do this. It's not a push pull like my other relationships have been. Mikhail Shapiro is a Kansas city singer, songwriter, filmmaker, musician. Learn more about her at MikhailShapiro.com. Thanks for being here on ghost notes. Thanks so much, Hannah. This has been really fun. You can see Mikhail Shapiro perform live on May 12th at Jazz Louisiana Kitchen from 7 to 10 o'clock. That's on 39th and State Line. A really good place. Delicious food. Of course, Middle of the Map Fest is happening until May 7th. There's a lot of different ticket options out there. Just go to middleofthemapfest.com. It's a festival, so you'll see all kinds of national acts and a lot of local acts. And on Friday, May 6th, the funky fusion band Janet the Planet is playing with Sundiver and Temptats at the Riot Room. Ghost Notes is produced by Matt Hodap with help from Jamie Searle. I'm your host, Hannah Copeland. We record at KCUR 89.3 Studios. Show me how you do. Hey,